Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now save $30 on the American-made steel FS56 RCE trimmer. Real steel. The FS56 RCE is made in America of U.S. and global materials. Offer valid through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Show is absolutely flying by today. Here Look we at are, the time. already in the Look third the hour, five o'clock Eastern, four o'clock Central, three o'clock Mountain, <laughs> two o'clock Pacific, one o'clock in Hawaii. Whatever time of day it is for you right now, this show is getting you through your afternoon in a very fast manner, and for that, we're all thankful. We appreciate you watching. We appreciate you listening on one of our fine radio stations. Across the Outkick Network, this is Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow. And some would describe this time of year, Hutton, as a slow sports time of year. Waiting on American football to start back. We're in the dregs of the middle of baseball season. We're just past the All-Star break, but we're not quite to pennant chase time yet. We're still awaiting all of that. And here comes our Savior. Our Savior. We have a championship to discuss Finally, our long wait is over, Hutton. We have an NBA Summer League championship well, and a champion. Well, not just a championship, because for the second consecutive year, they have handed out championship rings. <laughs> they were handing out a ball cap and a T-shirt prior to last season for the NBA Summer League. And now they're handing out, through the NBA, not the team, through the NBA, they are handing out something that we will find on Pawn Stars out in Las Vegas uh, where this summer league is taking place. The Cleveland Cavaliers went 6-0, and Chad. Unbeaten. What a title. Uh, and What a long time. I mean, that is league. a league. You want to talk about load management, Hutton, that six-game season? I hear guys set out two of those six games just for load management purposes. Yeah. But that it not, takes a real not toll this case. on you playing six basketball games. Not this, maybe Chris Paul you know, has found the title that he, he could go do is the NBA Summer League. Uh, that way his daughter's not bullied at school by the kid who knows. Uh, this is great ammo, by the way, for the kid who looked up Paul's career and knows all the details about the, the non-titles. Yes. Uh, just use the... There are NBA summer leagues that go 6-0 and that have championship rings. Yeah, so the NBA's created the... the it's a generic ring, but it can't be inexpensive. Uh, let, let's just put it that way. I don't think it's anywhere close to, you know, the $40,000 to $100,000 on average NBA title ring that we have certainly seen across the league. But they are... Uh, they're getting rings now instead of T-shirts. And, and the reason why, according to... Uh, what the NBA is saying is they want to provide some incentive for players to take wins and losses in the summer league more seriously. Players who don't have their future officially set can continue to prove their skills while also competing for a more tangible prize at the conclusion of the event. I would to the, to that I would say, um, yeah, it, it, players who don't have their future officially set should be enough motivation to want to play and take things seriously uh, and and try to win these summer league games. Also, uh, according to uh, uh, Jake Fisher from, from SI, uh, Summer League players receive a total of $1,500 in per diem over 12 days of competition. It's actually an 11-day deal. 11 days, six games, and it results in a 
championship ring, which I'm not even sure the players look at and think much of uh, based on how generic it ends up looking with the, the SL instead of the team crest on there. So uh, are the Cavs throwing a parade for this? No, but the league is trying to incentivize players for showing up, especially those at the top of the draft. Hutton, I'll crush the NBA when I feel it's warranted. I'll defend the NBA when I feel it's warranted. I say this in all seriousness. This may be one of the worst stories ever for the NBA. This whole thing reads like parody. It doesn't even seem real. That you need to incentivize guys in a make-believe summer league developmental program to play to try to win by giving them an expensive ring. I understand it's not as expensive as an NBA championship ring. But if you're incentivizing these guys and you're claiming that's what you're doing, this is not the fake championship ring they give out at the end of my daughter's 8U softball tournaments after a Saturday and Sunday tournament that are plastic. That's just a symbol for the girls to pose with a a ring. These are a little bit more high-end than that, I'm guessing. Which, by the way, that's also ridiculous. This is even more ridiculous because these are adult men playing in a developmental league, and their league is so incredibly soft that they've decided we have so many betas in this league that we need to incentivize you to play hard for six games. Yeah, six games. Over an 11-day period. six Not six games in one day. I used to do that in basketball camp in high school when I went to Tennessee Tech camp. We'd play five or six games in a day. What'd you get? Six games. I didn't get a damn ring. I got a t-shirt. Maybe. Which is what they were receiving. Six games in 11 days, and we're going to tout an NBA Summer League champion. This is one of the most revealing and worst stories for the NBA I have ever witnessed. Well, Just awful. And, and the, the culture that, that we're currently watching, uh, which is entitled to this, for showing up and playing. And, and, and again, the incentive is for guys who haven't locked in their spot, uh, to continue to, to to play hard, the I mean, if you haven't locked in your spot and you're not playing hard, get out of here. I mean, you know, pack your bags guys, and head back to Fargo. Guys play in men's league, church league games, yeah, and they play Vegas. to win the game. You know, the game gets late and you try to win it. Yeah, you're incentivized by nothing. You're incentivized by trying not to tear both Achilles tendons during the game. <laughs> that's 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 the incentivized stance that you take during the game. I mean, this is just. Utterly ridiculous. Also utterly ridiculous in the NBA story department. Amani Bates, uh, who was at Memphis and then transferred to Eastern Michigan. And he's a rookie with the Cavs. He just got a ring. Scored a ton of points at at Eastern Michigan um, on a terrible team. Did not help them win at all. But scored a bunch of points. Getting ready for the NBA. Hutton mentioned it. NBA Summer League champion. I should start with that on the bio. NBA Summer League 2023 champion. Amani Bates credits uh, a number of guys for getting him ready for his transition to the league. But the first two that he cites, John Morant and Miles Bridges. Now, we know about John Morant's situations, issues. We've talked about them at length. Miles Bridges, also a very public domestic violence, awful issue that has happened. Not a great start for Amani Bates that he's pointing to. This Hutton this is kind of like the equivalent of pointing to Pac-Man Jones, who actually well, does help people but, but uh, get, here, get ready but for the here's, league. Here's where you know there's hypocrisy because Pac-Man Jones is being praised for offering consult for John Morant right now. So yeah. um, pick your pick your headline on this. 
And I would also say if he's looking for uh, someone to think, John Morant, I'm sure, has uh, done quite a bit for young players, including those that he's played with throughout his career and someone that would be in the same city as him. Maybe this guy witnessed the uh, what went down to the altercation at his, uh, his house. Uh, but here's hoping that it's more of do what I say, not as I do, um, which, I mean, look, I'm skeptical on that too. But he also cites very uh, other great examples. Kevin Durant yeah, among them. Kevin Durant's a good one. Um, now, he's also, also name dropping. Yeah, like it's it's usually you get the guy who had all the issues that's well removed from them. Yeah. Right? If, if they've moved past that part of their life, not necessarily when they're in the middle of it, like Morant and Miles Bridges. But either way, we just want to close this NBA segment by once again congratulating Amani Bates and his Cleveland Cavaliers summer league teammates on that 2023 title. Thank you so much for getting us through this slow sports time of the year. Could not have done that without John Morant. Just amazing performance in those six games. I believe over John Morant days. With, with John Morant's rookie year was were they also summer league champs? They received a T-shirt that um, year. Did the high school kid that John Morant punched and threatened with a weapon was he on the summer league team also? Has he advanced now Maybe. to the point? I don't know how many years he's removed from high school. Maybe he too one day can win an NBA summer league championship ring. Uh, that's his goal, that, and to win the lawsuit that he's filed against John Morant. No lawsuits that I'm aware of with Trey Wallace of OutKick.com. He just covers them. He, yeah, he covers a lot of lawsuits. Um, Trey, how you doing? Are you, are you excited not to have to talk about an NBA Summer League championship? Armando Salguero yeah, wouldn't have done that. I, I despise the NBA, and I love Armando. So we're same. all good in the same, uh, same price. There's no lawsuits or anything going on right now. We're good. We're just getting a bunch of dumb text messages from all this investigation. So I'm loving every minute of it. Trey, there's not, a, dump. there's not a ton of headlines being made by coaches or players uh, so far. I feel like everyone has kind of followed the yeah. script of not wanting to uh, upset the apple cart, so to speak at this SEC Media Days. Has that continued to be the case with teams that have spoken today? Chad, I mean, Kentucky, Mark Stoops had a perfect opportunity to, to rattle the Tennessee fan base today when he was asked point blank, hey, you remember those comments you made in 2021 about, you know, we knew what was going on at Tennessee under Jeremy Pruitt? Uh, he walked that back today. He pretty much said, well, that was two years ago. It's hard to remember that type of stuff is what it is. That's what he said. He had a chance to be the heel today. It's not like, what, Jeremy Pruitt's going to come and defend himself here? No. Um, so he had, he had a chance. He, he didn't. Uh, Billy Napier, uh, look, we're just talking about quarterbacks with Billy Napier, and, and they don't have one. I just posted an article a second ago. Right now, they're, they're in a the dogfight between who they're going to go with, Jack Miller or Graham Mertz. And, and if they can't figure this thing out, they can't find a guy, uh, they're going to end up back in Las Vegas or the end of the season last year. So I, I just I don't like what Florida is dealing with right now when it comes to the quarterback situation. Um, but I agree with you that there's not a lot of breaking news. There's a lot more we're getting in-depth with the players on certain things. And I think that's been my biggest takeaway so far from this is that, look, the biggest thing, too, is, guys, we can, you know, we can break news any day of the week and whatnot. I, I wasn't expecting, like, any earth-shattering, nothing like that to come out this week. But I will say, you know, it, it's not like the Pac-12 media days it, that's going to happen on Friday, media day on Friday, where, you know, a lot of people, and I talked to a couple people around here, that were going to head out to Vegas because they thought the Pac-12 would announce a television deal. They're not. 
And the SEC is sitting in a nice spot right now. You've got some teams that are down. Um, you got a television contract you don't have to worry about. you got Texas and Oklahoma joining the conference next year. Um, there's just there's not a lot of that, that news out there that maybe spices people up. But I will say that these players have been really good about opening up around here. Trey Wallace with us. Outkick.com is where you can find his coverage uh, from the SEC and more. Big Ten coming up next week. Uh, Trey, yeah. so Georgia was demanding a retraction. Uh, they get it and then some today from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution on a report that uh, was into a recent investigation on the program's handling of sexual abuse allegations uh, with players and recruits. The AJC releases this uh, correction, or corrections, plural, the day after Kirby Smart in Georgia hits Radio Row, maybe not Radio Row, hits SEC Media Days. That's also right on time because it's not nearly getting the attention that it would have 24 hours ago. Is that also Georgia's doing? I, I don't think that's Georgia's doing. Because Georgia went out of their way to put together a nine-page letter demanding a retraction on the story. But did Kirby talk about that. it yesterday, though? I, no, he didn't talk about it. I didn't hear him talk about yeah, it. Yeah, me either. But he talked about he talked about a little bit of culture type of thing. Mm-hmm. But I'm saying overall, I'm saying overall, I don't think it was Georgia saying, "Hey, AJC, hold back till we get out of town." They're not going to do that. They're embarrassed enough. They had to go back and fix a couple paragraphs in their story, and that story was so long, so I didn't have time. I was listening to Billy Napier. That's how crazy it was, guys. Like, I'm sitting here listening to Billy Napier. AJC playing this perfectly. Billy Napier's up there speaking. AJC drops this, this story. And they fired the and, reporter. And, and, you know, saying so – Right, and they fired a reporter, Alan Judd, who'd been there 25 years. Um, and I did a little research on him. You know, football wasn't his go-to thing, but investigative reporting was. Um, you know, and, and it. You know, I don't know how much. I don't know what the definition to some people of what retraction is. Like they didn't retract the story; they changed a few of the details yeah. in the story. Now I know that might seem like a cop out. Correcting, but it's, it's really not. not. Like they didn't take the whole. They didn't take the whole story away, yeah. but they found that Alan Judd, the reporter, did not do a good enough job ethically uh, that they would keep him. And here's another thing, too, and I might add to this. They even let Alan Judd give a comment about mm-hmm. his exit and his time at the AJC in the story that the AJC put out. So is it is it harsh feelings? Was it UGA forcing this in a manner in the AJC saying, you know what? Okay, you're forcing this. You put us in a horrible spot. We're going to let this guy who's been with us for 25 years, who we think did a pretty damn good job on the story. You guys found a couple little bitty things. We're going to, we're going to let him give a statement though. Like that's what stood out to me most about that today, guys is, is that, and you know this, if I were to come out and print a story, that was completely fabricated. I made up quotes, blah, 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 blah. I would be fired by OutKick. I would not be given the opportunity to give a statement in OutKick's release on why I got fired. So that's why a part of me thinks AJC and Georgia, you know, not as bad as maybe they think it is, and that's why maybe it was released today. 
during Billy Napier and not during Kirby Smart. That's I mean, I don't know. Yeah. Got to uh, read in the small crazy, thing. Crazy timing on that, and we can certainly speculate on, on why the timing is what it was and not a day ago and, and who yeah. that benefits. Because I think part of me is thinking it may have benefited Kirby Smart even yesterday to have that out that they were right in demanding a retraction uh, to that story, which would have been a positive headline. Trey, you can read Trey Wallace's work, all of it, outkick.com, as he's covering SEC Media Days uh, for us at the Grand Hyde in Nashville. Trey, thanks so much, man. We'll talk to you again, hopefully tomorrow. Guys, I look forward to a big day tomorrow, and uh, hope you'll have a great rest of the show. Thanks for having Absolutely. me. Absolutely, yeah, man. Uh, Trey will be at the party tonight, too. He'll be joining us here at, uh, at 6th and Peabody for that. Um, interesting statement on Mark Stoops with a chance to clarify statements he's made about Tennessee. Maybe we'll ask him about that. We are scheduled in the next segment at some point to hopefully be joined live by Kentucky head coach Mark Stoops from our broadcast spot over at SEC Media Days at the Grand Hyatt. Looking forward to that. And, oh, by the way, there is one of the five quarterbacks that are at SEC Media Days making the rounds right now, and no one's talking about that quarterback or that team. Which quarterback and team? We'll tell you when we come back. What's up, everyone? It's Nick Wright, and I got something exciting to talk to you about today. Angie, your ultimate destination for getting all your jobs done well. Now, Angie isn't just your average home services marketplace. It's a game changer with over 150 million homeowners served and a network of over 200,000 skilled pros. Angie has experience and expertise to tackle any project with ease. Whether you're looking to spruce up your backyard or undergo a major home renovation, Angie's got your back and their pros are locally based often running small businesses right in your community. And here's the best part. Angie makes the process seamless. From researching and comparing pros to scheduling services at your convenience, Angie's user-friendly platform puts you in control. So why settle for anything less than perfection when it comes to your home? With Angie, you can trust every project will be completed with the utmost care and professionalism. So get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today to discover why homeowners across the nation are turning to Angie to get all their jobs done well. One of the top college football insiders with us now on Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow across the Outkick Network, Andy Staples of the On3 Network. Quite the change. A lot of networks. There are a lot of networks. Just colliding. On3 is colliding with everything right now. That's, seriously, just, just a giant <laughs> comet coming with, through the universe right now. A, a tree with a lot of branches. That's right. It's exactly right. No, it's, it, it, it has been fun. I've been with the company, what, about two and a half weeks now? Yeah. And, uh, it's great working with people who, this is what we do. We cover college football. That's it. And like the, the other place I've been, obviously, Sports Illustrated, The Athletic, everybody's really good, but you're covering every sport. So some, you know, some people like the NFL, some people like MLB. Everybody I work with cares deeply about college football. Yes. And it's their favorite sport. And, it, and it's, it's a lot of fun. I, I'm, I want to see where you come down on this because we, we were chatting with Greg Sankey and uh, he, his address on Monday. And I, I just straight up told him, I'm like, I don't get the sense what you had to say was very encouraging in regards to name image likeness. Mm-hmm. 
with all of your sources, all the coaches you talk to off the record yep. around the country, not just here, is that the number one topic? And if so, are we all wasting our time based on the fact that Greg Sankey is telling us over the last year, hey, we need federal legislation. We've heard that before, and mm -hmm. yet here we go again talking about it, wishing and hoping upon a star. I'm not wishing and hoping. What business on earth thinks it's a good idea to go ask the federal government to tell them how to do their business? Well, the fact that they're having to do that, though, tells me They don't that have to do that. That's the, this is the thing. If they would just stop worrying about it, it would all level out. Would it, it level out if we just see the super conference happen? It could. That, that, that's one way to do it. But here's the thing. If they keep pushing like this, what they don't want, what Greg Sankey doesn't want, what the presidents don't want, the coaches don't care. The, the coaches just want to know what the rules are, and, and they're not worried about anything else. How many wins they need Yeah, for the exactly. So <laughs> what, what the, the people in charge want is for them to not be employees. Well, if they keep pushing this hard, they're going to make them employees. That's, they will be made employees. They will – and here's the thing. That's probably better for those schools if you think about it because what would the weakest union in sports be? A college football players union because it's not, it's not as small like the NBA players union is super powerful because there's only a couple, you know, there's only a few hundred guys. In college football players union, most of the people are going to be like, yeah, we'll take whatever we can get. So, <laughs> so with all of that in mind, who's leading it though? Well, that's, that's the bigger question. There be, I mean, there have been people trying to set, it, set one up for 15 years. And so it could be the collectives. You see the collectives now coming together. And then from college. Exactly, yeah, but, yeah. But from the college football perspective, who's Here, leading that? Oh, that's the best part. No one. There's never anyone Sankey, in charge. Could Sinky just say, not, not if he, Not if he's continuing to try to right. bring them into the past. It, the, the, the world he's wishing for is never coming back. So he needs to understand that and move on. Why is he wishing for it though? I guess that's what I'm getting at. Because that's what his presidents tell him to wish for. Yeah, they like it the way that it was. Yeah. I think the key now, Andy, is let's make sure that it doesn't die forever. <laughs> it's so not going to die. What, what, what is dying? Well, the ratings are well, higher than what, ever. The, the, it's not what going is, to. Yeah. What, is, what, is, what would die is um, union is a, if it goes to the federal government. The federal government could see to it that a lot of things would die. Not the top teams, not the top conferences, right? But a lot of other things could go what, away. What would go away? Tell me, specifically. Humor me with specifics. I think that if it becomes straight business at mm -hmm. all levels, yeah. you're going to have some scholarship opportunities at lower levels probably go away. Why? If it's too expensive. It's not too expensive. Okay. <laughs> Division two exists. They give scholarships. Yeah. They don't make any money. Okay. Division three exists. They have football teams. They don't give scholarships. Then why is it some uh, problem, existential crisis? It's that not. Thank you. Talks that, about that's the thing. It's not a problem. Yeah. They're acting like it's this huge problem. This may be as good as it ever gets. Like yes, if you make them employees, there are all kinds of things you got to deal with: workers' compensation, blah blah blah. The CBA that you could get would allow you to have actual rules that you could enforce. But really, if you think about it. You should leave it like this. They don't have to be employees right now. They are making money. The market is taking care of it. Yeah. Like, people love the games. All of the idiots who said, well, I'm not going to watch to make any money. Well, they're going to keep watching. You watched. Well, okay. You've already, the, we've seen it. Then what, what is the problem the presidents have? If that's who Sankey's hearing because from, Because they're right? old people who don't like change. Greg Sankey reacts, right? He, yeah. he reacts to problems. Yeah, they're, they're old people who don't like things to change. Yeah. 
which, look, it's been a great scam for a long time where you had absolute power and you could keep all the money. But it's not going to work that does way Nick anymore. Does Nick Saban fall into the category of old guys who don't like things to change? No, Nick When he Sa continues to he, preach about, we just you, need to know the rules. That, we just want to know the rules. We That's just all we want to know. Okay. That sentence right there is the key. All Nick Saban, he does not care what the rules are. Now, he would like you to make rules that are advantageous to him. But however you make the rules, he just wants to make sure they apply evenly. And then he'll figure out the best way to make them advantageous. Think about the over-signing thing and all that. All the rules they made to handicap Nick Saban. He overcame all of them. Yeah. He figured it out. And, and uh, this is what drives him crazy is it's hard to figure it out when you don't exactly know what the rules are or they keep changing or they're unevenly distributed. In this case, they are unevenly distributed because they're a bunch of different state laws. So that's where Nick Saban falls on this. Is like He just wants you to hand, he doesn't care if it's their employees and it's a CBA. He just wants to know what the system is. He doesn't want Texas to have better state NIL laws than Alabama Correct. or other places and where he's going. And here's the other part about the, this particular system. He can't create more rich people in the state of Alabama. The state of Texas will always have more rich people in the state of Alabama because the state of Texas has more people than the yeah. state of Alabama. And so it makes it harder for him to solve that problem. If he knew the rules and if everybody had, to, had the same rules, it would make it easier for him to at least pinpoint, here's what I got to do to fix this. Here's so I, it's, I go back and forth about, okay, how much longer he's, is he going to coach? I, I firmly believe Nick Saban with a problem to solve is the most dangerous form of Nick Saban if you're another team. And he feels like he's, he's trying to figure some things out right now. And that, I think that gives him energy. I, I, I don't think, I think a lot of people look at it and go, oh, well, he's going to get tired of this. I actually think so, the problem-solving aspect of it energizes him. Is, what's the main lesson, main takeaway from the Pat Fitzgerald saga? Is it from the administration side when you look at it? and how they mishandled it, or maybe you think they handled it correctly. Is it with Fitzgerald? What is the big takeaway? Just pay attention. That, that's, that's all it is. I mean, if, if you're the administration, pay attention. If the coaches pay attention, pay attention to what's going on. You know, be aware of what's happening in your program, in your locker You look at that whole situation, no one is denying the accusations. But also no one is denying the finding in the investigative report that Pat Fitzgerald didn't know what was going on. I would argue that, that you didn't know is a problem too. Yeah. And I would also argue that what was going on specifically, like you try to do that at most SEC schools, you're going to have a senior getting anywhere stabbed. The, like, yeah, yeah. like I, I, and I know this is probably not a popular thing to say and, and probably sounds, you know, unsympathetic and, and, uncouth, but maybe that's why they sucked. That's if a, they're doing stuff like that. That is a great point. But also because... Uh, and that they had guys who would he, just accept it and take it and do but it. But also, like, I, I don't buy that he didn't know, because coaches are so paranoid about... About everything? Everything. Yeah. They've got someone reporting back yeah, to them somebody, on the tenor and the tone of the locker right. room. Right. And, and at all times. I'm just going by the report they did, which did not cast Pat Fitzgerald in a very favorable light. Yeah. So the, it, it doesn't seem like they were trying to overtly hard to protect him. I agree. And, and, but based on what they found, they say he didn't know. So I'm going to take that at face value until somebody proves to me something different. But 
it, it, that whole situation was weird, and, and I, I contend that if it hadn't been Pat Fitzgerald, who is essentially, you know, Northwestern's version of Steve Spurrier, or, you know, the, the greatest player who's also the best coach in the school's history, like, anybody else, they would have taken his record the last two years into account and said, this is an excuse for us to fire you for sure. free, yes. and we're going to do that. And that's what would have happened at most of the, the schools in the, in the rest of the Big Ten and the schools in the SEC and the school, like ACC Big 12 schools would have been the same situation where they'd have gone, oh, now we have a way where we can fire this guy for free. We don't have to pay his buyout. By not doing that, by doing the two-week suspension thing first, they put themselves in a weird spot. I, yeah. mean, I, I think they're going to have to pay him some money too. That's a big jump. Is there a chance that Anthony Richardson with the Colts could make the seat hotter for Billy Napier this year? So if he has a great rookie year, there, there's one way that happens, and, and you know where I'm going with yeah, this. Yeah, yeah. There's one way that happens, and it's if one. I don't think the Colts have any intention of starting Anthony Richardson this year, right now. I, I think that the idea is to start Gardner Minshew at least in the start, and, and you're let, correct, yeah, and yeah. let Richardson. But we watch the NFL a lot. We know the best laid plans, especially with quarterbacks, don't always work out because there's very large people who are hitting them yep. very frequently. And so if Anthony Richardson were to come in and be great right away in the NFL, it would look very bad. Coupled with Florida. really yeah. bad things for Florida. Right, it would, right. And that's the thing. Now, is the expectation really bad things at Florida this year? I feel like the expectations are very low. It's really medium things, I think, is what, is yeah. what people are – nobody's really expecting greatness – I think what people would like to see is competence. And so that, that's the other part. If Graham Mertz has a good season at Florida where he didn't, you know, he, he was not that great at Wisconsin, but if, if he can be an adequate quarterback at Florida, I think people look at it and go, oh, okay, maybe, maybe it just Anthony and, and Billy's offense didn't quite fit together. But if Anthony plays and, is, and plays well at the higher level, it will it will look very bad in Gainesville. So uh, that's the, the, the thing with Florida is I don't think anybody's expecting them to compete for the East title, compete for the SEC. What people want to see is can they continue beating out good SEC programs for recruits, which is something that they have started doing recently, and then are their young players the ones who are leading the way or, or, or have the, the best potential or the most promise? If you're at the end of the season and you've been a little bit frisky against the really good teams and that's the situation, everybody's happy. If you got blown out by Georgia, if you got blown out by LSU, if you didn't look like you belonged on the field with them, that's a different story. But here's the thing. I think it would be $31 million or something if they wanted to, to fire Billy Napier. After this. They are not firing Billy Napier after this season. So he's going to have some time to, to make that work. But yeah. The, the Anthony Richards thing, Richardson thing is really interesting to me. I, you know, after watching him play for a season, I, I certainly wouldn't, wouldn't think that you'd want to throw him into the fire in the NFL. I would think you'd want to bring him along fairly slowly because the, obviously the potential is there. There aren't humans walking around like that. But he may need just more time to, to be ready. I don't, I don't know that you want to throw him in as a rookie because we've seen rookies get thrown in there and they just, you know, they never recover from 
those really big, Shell strong, struck. fast yeah. people coming at you so fast and, and, and genius defensive coordinators who have nothing yeah. but time to come up with ways to stop And they're you. losing for the first time. Exactly. You know? A lot of them are. Well, Anthony Richardson lost to Vanderbilt uh, and lost to Kentucky and, and yeah. lost to Tennessee. So he, he's had, unfortunately, some experience there. No doubt. Uh, Andy Staples, our guest, in three years, what would you bet we're talking about with Deion Sanders in Colorado? Mm. What? Where are we with that program based on Is he still how, Colorado? We, how we view? I think they'll be better. Time. I think they will be better. I, you know, I'm not predicting any miracles this season. Like better, given what he took over, no, yeah. is like three or four wins. But I also don't know. I think it's such a reclamation project that it, I don't think it'll be this incredibly fast turnaround, which would then in turn get him hired. But in the on three lane, is he... Yeah. Dominant, is he pissing off coaches at the highest level of recruiting because he's either tampering behind the scenes in the mm -hmm. transfer portal or he's taking away guys that no one thought he would be able to bring to Colorado? He, he, is, he has got their attention. And I'd say that's a good thing for Colorado, that, that he has gotten their attention by what you said, getting players that, wait, you're not supposed to get those players. Like, I remember when Hugh Freeze was at Ole Miss and he signs Laramie Tunsil and Robert Conducci. It's like, you're not supposed to get those players. Well, it's okay if they sign with, with Alabama. And it's okay yeah. if they sign with Ohio State. But God forbid they sign with no Ole Miss. No one blinks if right. it's Alabama right. or Georgia yeah. or any of those programs. Right. So it, I, I find that part funny. But, again, it's a higher level. And to, trans, to just completely flip the roster like this is very hard with the big guys. Like, you can do it with the skill guys. It's the big guys that are the problem, that there just aren't as many good offensive and defensive linemen at the Power 5 level available in the portal. Andy Staples, always great. Uh, it really enjoying the debut of the show as well. Oh, it's, it's been fun. And, and so you, it comes out 8 p.m. Eastern time, 7 p.m. Central every night on YouTube. And it also, if you don't want to look at me, I understand. <laughs> it's on every podcast platform. So uh, if you want to you know, listen to your during your commute, watch on demand, anything you want. We When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We're back, Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow across the Outkick Network in our downtown Nashville 6th and Peabody studios with Old Smoky Moonshine, Yeehaw Beer. Big story out there, not just in college football, but nationally has been Pat Fitzgerald and Northwestern. And then also what's going on with Jim Foster at Northwestern, the baseball coach who was fired for promoting an atmosphere of bullying within the program and a lot of other issues. So now... Northwestern and their president, Michael Schill, has decided to launch two more external investigations into the athletic department and what's being done to prevent this, what's happening within the athletic department to see if they can stop some of these things from happening. Hutton, though, I read this and I can't help but remember just a, a week and a half ago where they concluded a six-plus-month six investigation 
into, and this was external, into the football program and allegations of hazing. And they determined at the end of it that while some things happened, Pat Fitzgerald, we can't prove that he knew about it, so we're going to suspend him for two weeks. Then they come back four days later and decide, nope, forget about it. We're going to fire him. And I'm lot- not sure what two more investigations will do. Well, the two investigations, though, are not in the past. It's more about how they're going to handle this in the future. So the, the, the one, part one of the two external investigations that they've now said they're doing, one is just to detect issues moving forward, unlike they did in the past, um, and, and how they're going about doing that with their process. And if there's a plan in place, let's see it, let's dissect it, and if not, they're going to form one. Number two is the culture within the athletic program as a whole. They're going to take a look and peel back the curtain on the AD on down. And does that match up with the academic requirements and expectations and just their their mission statement, I guess, Uh, which tells me that it's still going to point back to the academic aspect of Northwestern, which is top tier. It's great. But that's also why you can win three or four games and it's totally fine there. And and more or less, Chad, I view this as they are coming up with a way to define the job description of the next, the current openings, both at football and at baseball within the program. Yeah, and I think, you know, Dan Dockage brought up a good point. They're also doing this to CYA because they're being sued. So they're doing this to show their due diligence in making sure they correct the problems because well, they also fired Pat Fitzgerald. Yeah, but they, they, they're going to get sued either way. Yeah. and Well, I mean, I, I think what they can show is in a lawsuit about you promoted this atmosphere, you allowed it, they can say, well, you can see all the steps we've taken that shows that we don't condone this atmosphere. We've taken steps to correct it in hopes that that can mitigate some of the possible damages within this lawsuit. Yeah, I, it's it's also a CYA for for Shill, who yeah. you know imposed the two weeks and then comes back four days later. Part of this too is the board of directors that he pointed to in that second statement that over the week you know he wanted after reviewing this and hearing feedback there had to be further action, and that was I mean there has to be something else underneath the surface of this as to why that report that six month report is not public. They have already said these two reports will be. But they don't have the six-month report that's available for everyone to comb through. There has to be some details within that that they overlooked from the very top, which would be Michael Schill, and why they made that leap from two weeks to terminated with cause. Again, that's common sense that tells me that. I don't have to jump to many conclusions that there's a reason why they're not releasing their report, but they're already telling us they're going to release these two because it's more about the planning of the future than it is reviewing what they found. It's also interesting what Andy Staples said, and he said up front, like, hey, this may sound uncouth or whatever, but maybe some of the stuff going on with the program is the reason they've sucked for so long and that they celebrate a 10-win season when it randomly and rarely happens because these are the types of guys that are coming into their program. I had not thought about that. Um, I find the whole form of hazing just to be very strange more than anything else and not something I've ever encountered. But when we talk about this, we've heard from people in the YouTube chat or on Twitter that say, Hey, I've seen worse than this happen in football locker rooms and I've experienced this, this, and this, and it's not that big of a deal. And I'm thinking that's, that's odd. 
That's the, that's the one word that comes to mind is odd, if, if that's what's going on. And Andy Staples said it. Some SEC lineman might stab you if you tried to do some of these things to them. And that's the difference in culture there versus at Northwestern where this was allowed. So a lot of different ways to look at it. But regardless, but, I, I do think this is now maybe step one in figuring out what they are now moving forward as an athletic department. And, and again, just looking at it from the very top of the mountain, they've admitted in firing Fitzgerald, they could not prove whether or not he knew or not. They've already said that. So they got to figure out why they couldn't prove that, right? Definitively. Even in his favor, they can't say that he didn't know for sure with certainty, but they can't say he did. And, and the other factor here too, Chad, that I think is the next layer to this, if in fact it's a culture thing that has been going on uh, even while Fitzgerald was a position coach and not the head coach prior to 2006, if it's been every year, that means the current roster has players who were just hazed last year and they have players that were hazed two or three years ago that then participated in the hazing and they're playing for the coaches that were on the staff that should have known but apparently didn't and their head coach was fired for it. Um, and if they don't speak up now, why would you? Moving forward, now's the time, and it's been a long time based on how long this has gone on and everyone stepping forward now as opposed to staying silent. Now's the time to actually speak up rather than just say, oh, you know, we got a, a lawyer up and we shouldn't say anything. It's the coaches that won't be saying anything. Well, what's next for Pat Fitzgerald? Who was the last one hazed is what? He's, yeah, he's on well, the roster. And, and, yeah, there are guys on this roster that have hazed, right, that are remaining. Yes. That have been doing it and have but done it probably recently. Na no names from no. players. That's also very intriguing to me. That, that no one has turned state's witness completely to publicly in out all the In all the stories, names. no one's specifically mentioning who's kind of the head honcho, who's the don of the locker room. If it's not fa uh, Pat Fitzgerald, who is it? Is offensive lineman? If so, who carries the torch? Is the offensive line coach that we had the former player on that mentioned a number of times? Well, but there I would mean, be coach, coaching turnover. Though. Yeah. There's, there's a lot of questions still to be answered. I mentioned what happens with Pat Fitzgerald next. Here's what I think is going to happen with Northwestern football next. They're about to look like a team that went through the death penalty in, in a year or two. I mean, this is going to be bad. Worse than All one of win? these coaches are gone. It's going to be worse than Baylor with what happened to them, when they had to start over with Matt Rule. They're going to have to start over. Deion Sanders is starting over right now at Colorado. It's going to look a lot like that. This is going to have to be built completely from the ground up. They're going to have a ton of transfers after this year. Guys have nowhere else to go right now. They're going to need to get rid of some people after two more investigations that they find to have done this. Some are going to have to be forced to leave. All of those coaches are probably going to be gone at the end of the year. New head coach, new coaching staff, starting from scratch. That is Northwestern football, and that is not fun to do in the Big Ten when you're already Northwestern. But it's doable faster than, than, than I, I think I would have bet on. Bill O'Brien is case in point at Penn State. You know, he, he turned that corner fairly quickly to his credit. He parlayed that into an NFL gig. Um, and I think this goes back to this. I think doing that at Penn State, though, is easier than at Northwestern. Not based on what happened there with Jerry Sandusky. I mean, it, it, we're going to jump to scandal and cover-ups for years. I mean, that that is vastly different than uh, hazing that, you know, 
did or did not happen, and the coach did well, or did not know. But remember with that story, they had that uh, that weird NCAA exemption where everyone was eligible to transfer from the program, yeah. and you had like USC coaches showing up on campus yeah. to recruit guys off the team. Well, in today's football, that's every day. Sure. Like everyone, if you want a Northwestern player, by all means, go get them. Right now, you could do that any day of the week. So there, I'm, there's going to be an enormous amount of roster turnover, I think, similar not to the Colorado extremes of what Deion Sanders wanted to do, but I think to a Penn State extreme of guys that leave. But, but It's going to be that bad. I, I guess the, in comparing that, though, in the turnaround, Penn State got it right with who they brought in and who they hired. Is Northwestern going to determine, based on what they're doing, if they're doing it right, are they going with the younger, up-and-coming coach that's trying to prove that he's you know, 35 years old, but he's ready to lead a program? Or are they going to have to find their version of Bill O'Brien and who, who's looking to come in and stabilize on what could be a final job before retirement, right? Yeah. That, that is a key part of this. But first and foremost, who's leading the university? Uh, Michael Schill, who knows if you know he wants to tack on a couple more external investigations before this is all said and done. Well, what probably should happen and what ultimately happened at Penn State, and I'm not comparing this to Sandusky yeah. and Penn State, but if you really want to start fresh, you really start fresh. And that is new president, new athletic director, yes. new head coach, new staff. Michael Schill, this is an academic university first and foremost. We say that tongue-in-cheek with a lot of football schools. That's true at Northwestern. He could be the best president for academia in Northwestern history. I don't know. And if he is, his job is safe. It is, it is but tough I think, to find. But I think you're going to be hard-pressed to say, you know what, we're going to keep Derek Gregg on. The guy who just hired Jim Foster that we then had to fire and the guy who oversaw the football program with Pat Fitzgerald and no one ever knew a thing about it. I think after two more external investigations, if you come back with that determination – that's a hard one to sell, that you're going to have the same AD. And, I mean, the other thing, too, and just considering, when you mentioned the academic part of it, and you're right, name a Big Ten or an SEC program that is asking for a, a new stadium and they don't get it and they're, not, and they're nowhere close with the guy that would be the silhouette of Mr. Wildcat, Mr. Northwestern, Pat Fitzgerald. Prior to all this, he couldn't get it done. So I don't, that's not happening anytime soon. That goes to your point about what's priority versus what is normally priority and the moneymaker on campus, which is the football program. So Dak Prescott is claiming, the story we talked about yesterday, that he's been misquoted. He reportedly gave a guarantee that I won't have 10 interceptions this year after having far more than that a year ago and not in a full season. Well, 15 the, and 12. 15 interceptions in 12 games a year ago. So the team website, this is really funny. The first report was from a, uh, the Fort Worth Star-Telegram. This was six days after he had a camp, a, a, an annual youth camp, and he had this quote, quote, I won't have 10 interceptions this year. The Cowboys came back, sort of a retraction, and says what he said was, we won't have those tipped interceptions this year. Not 10 interceptions. Quote from Dak Prescott, do I blame those receivers? No. 
Mike McCarthy does an amazing job with the receivers. They know where the hell to be, why to be, <laughs> and when they're getting looked at. That's going to be a big jump, I think. We won't have those tipped interceptions this year. And the reporter heard 10 yeah. interceptions. This is legitimately a – he was misquoted. Either Players way. Players and coaches claim all the time they've been misquoted. If this is true, he was misquoted. I w- of all the stats we have and we keep up with, how is there not a stat for – Tipped interceptions. on the So, Dak Prescott led the NFL in interceptions last year. And he did so by only playing in 12 games. Now, uh, they won their fair share of games total. Dallas, very talented roster. But when you see who leads the league in interceptions, he made some really bad throws. But not every single interception was on him. Right. I would love to know the actual number and put that in context with how bad it actually was. I have seen some, um, there are some analytics that have, and I don't know the exact <laughs> phrase, but it's like, you know, high risk target yeah. versus low risk in terms of the interception. Yeah. And they can put Catchable a percentage on, yeah, yeah, they put a percentage on either the quarterback, the receiver, or someone else. Like as to the, right. the it, they all go statistically to the quarterback, but you can look deeper into it and see which were really the quarterback. Prescott's got to be much better. Yes. Much better, regardless of whatever number. I don't know if it gets much better than today's show for us, to be honest. We'll always try to be better, (laughs) but let's let's be honest. Today's show was pretty damn good. (laughs) So we'll try to do better tomorrow, but probably probably won't be any better. We'll live up to it. Because we're really good anyways. We'll be back tomorrow.